RJA Radio. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another lovely, uncanny episode of Krakoa Radio. It is me, your host, the founder of Table Night, Just Sex Henry. And I'm here with my fellow co-host, Black Word. Hello, hello, hello. You love to see it. Welcome to the Keeper of the Quiet Storm. He of Table Dusk, of the arts, cultures, and the law. He who will reign in the upcoming and beautiful. Well, it's not even just one comic that Table Dusk is going to pop off in. It's several. Um, so anyone who's praising Iska as the end-all, be-all. <laughs> Tough titties, baby. My, all of my other fellow co-hosts, the Wayne God Vonte. What's up? You're reading here, Table Day. Missed you guys. Let's get this show on the road. And today we are missing our spectator from Table Dawn. Dr. Showtime is off on a mission to Morocco, doing some things with our um, lovely, like, you know, uh, Latuna and, and Silo and all of the girls. They're doing some things. So Dr. Showtime will be not in this episode with us. Oh, we are so sad. Without our mega level top, but the show must go on. Um, we love you, Showtime. We love uh, you. And, and girls, reach the nigga, Jesse Child shit. He's still here. We ain't faking a breakup. <laughs> the bitch has some things Destiny to do. no more. Destiny right. fulfilled. He's here with us in spirit and in yeah. yeah, thank you. Know, and the listener said, Showtime, when Showtime comes back, he's going to be nicer than me. Because the viewers, you know, the listener said, stop it. <laughs> I mean, the consumer's always right. So today we are reviewing X-Men number nine, Devil's Reign X-Men number two, with a little pinch of Black Panther number four, and the 10 deaths of Wolverine number three. And we are going to kick off with X-Men. Are we doing this as a family or, or, or one of us is doing it? Did we ever get there? You know what? We asked the question, but I feel like now that I'm here, Without Showtime, we might as well just do it as a family. Okay, we can so... recap. Let's recap first. Actually, you know, let's recap. I feel like this was too good. X-Men was too good this week for us not to recap it. We got to okay, honor. Steven, take it away. You got this. I got to take it away? Okay, let me open it up. Because <laughs> I did not have my comic in front of me. Um, but it's pretty standard issue. Hmm? Go ahead. Okay, but it was a pretty standard issue opening. You know, these girls love to give you a little moment at the very start each and every time. And boy, when they give it to you, not rough, but smooth. This is getting pounded with husband dick. That's exactly the energy that you get with X-Men issue number nine. So we open up immediately with what is probably one of the best juxtaposition scenes um, I think it's possible. Between Krakoa, Arako, and Phobos, there are three different meetings about where their organizations individually will be going. Krakoa is discussing the nature of do they launch their first shadow war against Orcus. Arako is asking if they should also join into a shadow war, attacking Phobos and decimating these people for violating their laws and killing Varnak, the legend, the greatest of Arako, the greatest mutant to ever exist, period. Michael Jordan of mutants, really. LeBron James of mutants, Varnak, who did nothing wrong. And Phobos is discussing their incentives of sticking to what they're going to do next, but also low-key inaugurating, inaugurating the new pedal of the Lotus. 
So we open up into the meeting. You know, Xavier is talking his bullshit and being a weirdo, as always. And they have Kate zoomed in on asking a vote to declare a secret war on a human organization will extremely neg- will have extremely negative consequences. Uh, Shaw saying, fuck that, hands only. And Emma saying that, you know, this priority that they're talking about on whether or not to go up against humans in this way will be negatively perceived by all the mutants that they have aligned with at this moment who do still believe in Xavier's stupid dream not to hurt people who are hurting you. Um, everyone down there to Colossus, to Nightcrawler's pacifist ass are all sitting there saying that we don't need to fight. We don't need to do any of this stuff. I'm not going to vote in support of this. And Magneto is just sitting there like, nothing if you buck, I eat my meat rare. And, you know, this is why you give it up to Magneto in all moments you can. Then we go to Phobos and we meet as they inaugurate their newest members, but also decide on what to do next. So we see Abigail Brand, Uncle Tom as up in there discussing and hacking it out and discussing what to do next. Um, it's getting very much stinky. It's getting very much ugly. It's getting very much Karen vibes. Um, we see them all together for the first time, but this is the moment they also decide that Modoc, Modoc needs to join their organization as well in a temporary capacity. So they send robots into the I think they're in the vault or the carrier. Which one are they in? I'm not entirely sure. I don't keep up with Avengers. So I forget the name of their super secret prison. Um, but at the same level, like they send them in and they kill all the guards protecting it. They say they care about human lives. I'm not seeing it here as we see Nimrod murder a bunch of people. So Modoc joins the Lotus and we get a close up on what the protocol is. Their direct strategies, they have Elia Gregor as a research and development, Abigail Brand as infrastructure and influence, Faye Long as operations and defense, Dr. Stasis as humans and resources. And the last two pedals, culture and narrative and sociology and modeling are hidden, but it's widely suspected that Modoc is going to join the culture and narrative section. And I believe, and this is just me speaking, I think Merlin is going to join sociology and modeling. So there's also the seventh pedal, Central Column, which is led by Dr. Keelan Devo. And that is basically the Quiet Council equivalent of Orcus. These are the seven forces that Krakoa is going to have to be fighting in order to win. And secretly in the background, there is Nimrod as their enforcer and or captain, along with Omega Sentinel. So we leap straight to, you know, bad bitch storm. Um, of the Great Ring, representing and asking and bringing everyone to meeting. Uh, they are discussing whether or not to go beat up that motherfucker's ass for even setting foot on Araka without permission. And to that, Iska removes her vote, mostly because her vote will tip the scales of anything they do. No matter what, if she changed, it's a very interesting moment that you will lose if you don't pay attention. Iska cannot vote because if she lo- votes for the losing side, she would change her position fundamentally. Her power is preventing her from voting until she knows which side is going to win. One of those interesting little world-building tidbits that I just really love about Iska. So there's a few people who are there who say they missed the old ways and they want to go back to Amen. Uh, and that's Tarn and our major lord on the table dusk. For some reason, he's sitting next to Tarn. He's table dusk, um, discussing going back to the old culture and way of doing things. Um, they vote 
And there's a conversation going on that Storm really doesn't pay attention to because the planet Arako is trying to speak to her. And as we all know, her power with a connection to the Earth, she's able to at least understand some things that Arako is desiring. They ask her to tilt the vote in his final favor with her second voting slot, which of course she votes that Arako stays Arako and no one returns to him then. Um, but then Arako positions that it desires its voice back so that it can voice itself on matters dealing with this because there's a motherfucker sitting on one of her moons that she really doesn't fuck with and no one's listening to her. So they ask about Red Root finally. Uh, Storm introduces this to their agenda, but doesn't make it a vote if anyone would volunteer to go and receive Red Root and have her support both politically and in action. Tar says, fuck that bitch. Uh, he don't fuck with weeds. He definitely don't fuck with mutants who can't set themselves free. And he says that Iraqi are well suited to prisons, which is very loaded, very racist, and very offensive, Tarn. You're showing your whiteness. Um, and then Araco fucks him up. Um, we never really see the tree beating people up, but now we do. And Storm leaves the meeting with a nice little flower in her head. Um, I'm thinking she conditions her hair and she did, did a lot of recent humidity treatments to it because it's looking very untextured right now. And as you know, that's always suspect. Um, then we flash forward back to the X-Men who are the actual focus of this comic. Uh, Rogue finally doing things, finally having things to do. Love that for her. Rogue comes with Gambit to go to a space station to investigate where the casino is. Uh, Gambit gets his ass beat, but before they do beat Gambit's ass, they see Destiny there just chilling and demanding Rogue leave the X-Men to come help out her moms. Rogue says, fuck that, I'm an X-Men through and through, and she instead decides to go beat people's asses and highlights how she actually came here with a deep desire to fuck on some other people. Um, we love polyamory and bisexuality in a married couple. They start fighting, lots of violence. Destiny is like, this is so fucking ghetto. This is why I don't like the X-Men. guys are no nuance, no subtlety, all action. Um, in the meantime, she's just having a drink and enjoying being live and being young, you know, as a bad bitch will. And Gambit makes a very declarative statement that goes in with a thread I made recently this week, which is she is one of the most powerful psychics they have ever met or known. She sees the future with such clarity that it's not matched really by anyone else they've ever known, um, which suggests an Omega level status without actually stating an Omega level status. And she's one of the two mutants who get this in this comic. Um, but in the same vein, we know that Idol is also a mutant. Very curious uh, that Idol and Destiny both share very powerful psychic gifts, but we only have one Omega level classification, and it leads to another question that we will ask later. Um, so Destiny goes in about why she fucking hates Gambit, because he's a country bumpkin who really can't do shit and offers nothing. And the fight kind of wraps up with everyone leaving out and Gambit highlighting how Destiny only comes and loves on Rogue when they need something from her. Not just generally, they are always having strings attached with her, which is the ultimate truth about Rogue's history. Destiny reiterates that she fucking hates Gambit and wants him dead. And if she can find a permanent way to do it, you Lord knows she might. So Storm goes to visit uh, Shiro as he has now taken up residence on Arako. He's building his own little home there, using his powers to his advantage, keeping his shirt off, reminding people that he is fine. Um, some people don't agree with me for thinking that, you know, maybe they should just, you know, fuck around just once just for fun. But I think they should fuck once just for fun. Two Omegas. Oh, sorry. He's an Alpha. 
here we do get to highlight that the powers that Shiro has are actually more expansive than people ever originally thought. Shiro reveals that he has been challenged for the land that he stole here and conquered here, and he has won in single combat and murdered an Iraqi to sustain it. Um, and has now became like basically the overseer of this little area. However you want to put that, put it, it's a reminder, reminder that he is Japanese and was very pro-imperialism up until recently. So within this storm beckons a conversation, one of the first real conversations between them, people often forget that Shiro and Aurora were on the same team for the longest, and they were actually two of the most powerful people on that team. But they never really clicked like Storm did with Colossus or Nightcrawler or Wolverine. There was always a bit of animosity that Shiro had to just about every other person on the team, which led to him kind of not only vanishing, but being shelled. Um, but in this, he's revealing that he's now found more satisfaction himself and desired to explore his powers. He has revealed that just like Storm, he is able to travel the vacuum of space without suffering in any sort of way. Here, he's also revealing that he wants to test his abilities in a more serious light. And Storm reveals that if he wants to, now is the time to do it. And before she can even really say anything, he reveals that the flower that she has reminds him of something. He shows how Araku has shown to him that it wants Shiro to be his champion and to go find Red Ruth. Now, this is a really beautiful scene. This is really nice. It gives him something to do potentially in another comic like Knights of X, which makes sense. You get a warrior like, you know, Sunfire to be a knight for Krakoa. What it's kind of implying is that they're setting it up for one of the fire mutants to leave the X-Men just in case another fire mutant joins it. It's looking like the microwave won the vote. Girl. Big might be right. I didn't even think about that. You might be fucking right. That fucking... I almost called her. I saw a bad wench. Isn't she, though? Isn't she really? Popcorn popping popping bitch. (laughs) Man. Okay, first of all, first of all, fuck Abigail Brand, number one. Yes. That hand job is so annoying. Right, fuck her. Uh, there's a running theme in X-Men right now that proves a very belabored point in the real world that white women are dangerous and they will ruin anything that is great. <laughs> Period. Especially Fuck with her. especially with that haircut because we gotta be very weary of that haircut. <laughs> right. Fuck her. It's her and Dr. Keelan both have that same fucking haircut. That little fucking ugly bang leg situation. Yeah, that K plus eight bullshit. Like fuck them. Fuck her. Fuck Mormon Taggart. They all dangerous. I don't like it. Um, the X Men issue was great though. Like I will say, my my, my complaint consistently is that uh, Pepe Larraz is never on a job. I don't know what that's about, Pepe. Like we love your artwork. We love you. But I just wish you were. But like, the, but the good thing is that like the the Pina guy person. Um, that also draws, does artwork, and the person did artwork this uh, this uh, issue was really good though, because whoever the colorist is, they're really good too. But I still like, you know, Pepe. Like we really would prefer you to be in your own book that you you do all the covers for, but you're never there for. Um, but it's about to get the shit about to hit the fan. Like it's about to get real. Like it's about yeah. to get real, real. Yeah, and, and I really. 
Shout out to yeah. community. Shout out to Ace community because Shiro Yoshida is fine as shit. And he can put his he can put his spicy penis, the spicy hot penis inside of my inside of my hole. Anytime you get burned. Hey, you know, <laughs> I, that's, that's a burn I understand. Listen. <laughs> Shiro is like a snack over there fighting. He you know? is. I think he can control the temperature. It can be a little lukewarm. I think it's all listen, fine. temperature play is beautiful. <laughs> it's yeah. so fun. I hope they bring back his horseman powers. I hope they send him over to be uh, Knights of X, because that's where he's going. We know it now. When you send him over to Knights of X, they just bring up the fact that, yeah, you were a horseman. So he was a horseman of famine. And he had the power, this other power where he can absorb all the heat from a body and like force you to like a heat death or something, where like your whole body just like reaches maximum zero and like a state of constant hunger. I want more of that. Or maybe bring up his sister. Wouldn't it have been nice to have a sister here, Sunpire? She died, right? Man, she did. I think she is dead. I think she's dead. Damn I girl. I, but you know, she could be resurrected by now, but you know, that's what I'm saying. But you know what? You know what? You know what, Steven? That's the gag. Because why wasn't Sunpire put into the election and not and not Firestar? Because she's white. That makes more I'm like, like imagine like like a brother sister team on the X Men. Oh, that'd be like the Wonder Twins. Wouldn't that just be like North Star and Aurora? <laughs> it'd be lit. It'd be so lit. It'd be so lit. But like, I think it'd be interesting. I, I mean, though, like, I, I still think it'd be a dumb idea. But you know, it'd be more interesting. Fucking, you know, Matchstick getting the fucking job. We just got rid of that costume ensemble situation. And I feel like that's and, the reason why they changed her costume is because Angela was going during they went, oh, these two people have this damn near the same exact costume. We gotta fix that. Uh, this one thing I will say I despise of the Hickman era is this like obsession with bringing back people's old ass costumes. So glad Jean Jean switching out of her like old ass costume to that to her Hellfire look into like a battle armor kind of situation. He's like, it's a homage. It's horrendous. It is not. It is terrible. <laughs> it is terrible. And I will also say, I will also say that I actually have the Jean Grey Krakoa uh, Marvel Legends figure, and it is terrible. It is just as equally terrible. It is equally terrible. Equally terrible. No. I cannot move her legs. I can't make her sick because her dress is in the fucking way. She can't do nothing but stand. I hate her. Look how stupid she looks. Dude, Irish like, flag. Oh like my a god. Dexter's mom. Like she has a like she's like she's like a fucking cleaning lady. Like she just looks dumb. Broke go go dancer. Her hair got so many split ends. Weren't we like on on the on the on the uh Twitter talking about uh Jean Grey having her like power she had when she was young, Jean Grey? Like she should have them because like those memories were all downloaded and unlocked at that very specific time when they sent the um the O five team back back to their original timeline. But didn't Legit, she have like, like did she have like a psionic form or something? Like she, she only used it once recently when Storm helped out with that mission that got her a new fan, uh, got her the favor of the Shi'ar Empire. So like she went to psychic form so she could fight one of the dudes um but i said on twitter recently that i suspect actively that we're not going to see 
Gene in the form for a bit. We're going to see Sync in it. I highly suspect, because it's just too visually nice, like with Sync's like rainbow power, for him not to just do it. And it's going to be a big moment probably when he like, you do the thing, he'll do the Megazord thing that we, a mutant circuit where he just becomes every mutant. I know it's coming. It has to come. I know Sync eventually is going to reach a maximum, you know, catalyst where he just channels every mutant. And it's going to be brilliant. We stand sync here at KRK, KRKA Radio. That is my, that is my husband. I love him. Here we We're twins. I love him. Twin them. I love him. Um, I do like how MODOK and the rest of them are raising the stakes for Orcus as well. Some people have said that they wish that the Orcus situation got wrapped up quicker. I disagree. I think it's important that they create an institution rather than right. just so many one-note villains in the X-Men like legacy of them just repeating the same shit. This is an institution of people who agree and believe and think these things. Just like, you know, in reality, you have so many different institutions that work in concert with one another to do horrific shit. Um, I will say also that it makes it easier for like them to involve the Avengers because you know they really have been thinking critically about the fact that the Avengers do not help out with shit like this. If there's a villain similar to AIM that they can just go, Orcus is doing this shit, then they can more feasibly organize the Avengers to go, okay, we are definitely against Orcus, just like any politician could say that they're against the Klan. Whereas, but they can't ever say that they're against individual races who aren't the Klan. They'll say, oh, fuck a Nazi, but never anything else. They'll say, oh, Scarlet Witch, she enslaved the town. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. So when we start talking about Scarlet Witch, that means the conversation is over. So let's look at the next conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime we have to talk about Scarlet Witch, it means we hit the dead end of the conversation. Storm was beautiful. We love you, darling. Oh no, actually, um, there's also another iteration that we did see Storm in because Storm got wrapped up in Black Panther. So let's also look at that. So. so- it was just three pages. You know, it was only three pages, really, of Storm being featured. And, you know, that's always more than enough for us to care. Um, it was just basically their afterglow. T'Challa got some ass finally, so he calmed down a little bit. Um, and he bangs the fuck out after hugging up on his son, you know, gentle. And he said goodbye to his girl, got on that jet, and was about to go back home to Earth to go deal with some shit. And Storm just revealed that she's not fucking stupid and that Arako speaks to her at all moments it was the most 90s my friend saw you (laughs) up the street doing something you weren't supposed to do and I'm not going to confront you about it just yet I'm going to talk to the kids (laughs) yeah it was very much giving like living with your mother and I heard you talking shit about me through the air vents and in my house, I know and hear everything. You, you're not going to be talking about shit in my house with your father not going to tell me. So when your little daddy leave off this planet, me and you need to have a little conversation about what your father was saying. Because I know y'all talk about some shit. And bitch, if I find out what the fuck y'all talk about, I got to fuck you up. I'm fucking you up first, and I'm fucking him up first. It was very it was very much a threat. I didn't hear it as a way, like, let's have a conversation. I heard a threat. I heard, like, bitch, you, you, <laughs> you sitting talking shit with my man. And I, and, and I don't want to know what the fuck y'all was talking about. Because anything that my man talked about in my house is the conversation that we are having. Yeah, like Stan, Stan Stormblade down the law. She was like, you know, my pussy still dictates policy. 
She definitely um, is not playing the submissive role that she did in the past. She's definitely like, we ain't doing this shit again. I learned my lesson the first time. So now you're going to tell me what the fuck is up because I'm about to shut it down. I'm about to, I'm about to light one of y'all asses up. Let me know. Right. Because <laughs> you ain't got to live here. <laughs> you, you I'll leave your ass in a vacuum of space. Somebody else can't enjoy this thunder, thunder, punani, tsunami, thunder, cooch, whatever the hell. Steven was listen, 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 listen. <laughs> we're what we're not going to do is get it wrong. There's a very specific order to it. We know listen, that's, that's a long, ass, that's a long ass damn name, and that's you why we're getting merch to... for it. <laughs> and that's why we're getting merch for it. Get your get get your storm Vogue champ um, t-shirt soon coming out. Um, as soon as I get my LLC paid for it so I can get all that shit filed. So, <laughs> um, but no, there's also like a loss of standing for Storm in this issue as well. Like, Shuri wasn't letting him play games. Um, the Spencer agent, whose name is, I'm going to forget about probably as soon as this week ends, because I already I'm, did. I'm, I'm, I'm a Lola. I'm a Lola. Yeah, I'm a Lola. Yeah, that chick. She highlighted how, like, baby, you're sitting here coming for me. You lied to the only woman you've ever loved. Every single goddamn day, baby. You lie to her to her face. You you do nothing but lie to her. You are the most untrustworthy nigga. You sit here talking to me about how unfaithful I was to my man. Fuck you. I love that. It was like some black woman solidarity in that moment. It was very so you wanna sit here. Very black ass. It was very like Coco Montreal reading um Alyssa Edwards. I'm not joking, bitch. <laughs> like, <laughs> Like, go ahead with that shit. Like, you're not gonna play in my face if you play it in hers. I will beat your ass. Like, I'm not scared of you. You little, you little crown on me, shit to me, daughter. Listen, it was life. up to me. You will be fried by now, baby. You will be dead. Right. You have none of your little satellites in this bitch. Right. <laughs> your little got satellites. Here, got me out here. Got me out here by myself, sleeping with white men without a choice because I can't get laid. Yeah, bitch, we got a problem. Yeah, I'd have been mad at his ass too. Yeah, but it does man. a good job too of setting up what no, Storm dude. is about to be. I'm not sure if you guys saw the interview where they discussed X Men Red, and they highlighted some like it's always a good sign when they start talking about Storm and they go Storm is not just one thing because it's the most true thing about her is that she's not just one thing. So you know she was a street kid like running the streets of Cairo, and then she went on a fucking walkabout through Africa on her own at just like ten years old, and like this untold shit she dealt with in her life that I made a tweet where I said, like, there's different stages to Storm's godhood and how she's seen herself as a god throughout her history. And I do think it's important to remember that each of those stages are at different points of her self-reflection. Um, because you cannot say that, you know, you can understand why she was, like, so matriarchal and so earth-motherly when she was, like, the queen of Wakanda versus when she had her, her punk rock phase. And all that goes into the understanding that she was deeply insecure about what role she would play until she's now full-blown storm. And she's like, I'm all these things all at once. And I will change a hat real quick. I will go from having a peaceful meal with Victor Von Doom and he's flirting with me and I'm not fucking with it to literally threatening to kill him five seconds later on a drop of a hat. It's all multiplicity. You can have multiple dimensions as a character. Storm is not a mammy. Storm is not oh, a meme. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I was. I we was, love you, baby. Storm is not a meme. Storm is not a meme. 
Yeah. So thank you for coming. Yeah, <laughs> thank you for coming. Man, I was like, man, I was like, mammy. Yeah, that was that, that was, was, was yeah, that was disrespectful. That was out of pocket. That came from left field. I'm still trying to figure out where the fuck it came from. But there ain't none of my business. <laughs> anyway, I think that's wrapped us all up for X-Men by um issue nine. I'm so excited to read the next issue, X-Men. This is a great comic. Um, and thank you for introducing the familial drama. Rogue, you finally did something, girl. You did something. Right. Look at you. Oh my god. Love that for you, sis. <laughs> I enjoyed that wrestling move. That was a good oh, movie. Yeah. I like when they get creative with the powers. Like that reverse, um it was a reverse, not power driver. It was Bonte only loved it because his man be doing that to him. Ooh, well. <laughs> We'll save him for the yeah. circuit party. Yeah, you know, um, war. I, I, I only let him do it because uh, he knows I can take it. <laughs> no, that's you heard it here first. Vontae has the ability of indestructibility. Um, unharmed. Vontae the unharmed. Uh, Vontae the unperturbed. Vontae the hyper. Invulnerable. Um, there's so many different titles, so many different names. Vante the uh, masochist. Yeah, Vante. Yeah, <laughs> our peacekeeper is a tramp. <laughs> you know, you can be a peacekeeper. You can keep the peace and listen. Be violent in in in, in the bedroom. Not storms not, a not, skeezer. Storms yeah. a skeezer. Storm. She be thrown down. She likes knives. That's yeah. all I'm gonna say. Yeah, exactly. Being a peacekeeper and getting choke slammed or whatever, just as long as I ain't bleeding, you know. That's right. I want to get choked. Okay, so we're going to be moving on to X Men Devil's Reign. Um, L part of the Devil's Reign, uh, run right now, which is actually really good. Recommended to all of you. Yes, I'm fucking week late, you bastards. And we got it eventually, and what an issue we got. So I'll let you take it from here, Henry. You go, girl. All right. So X-Men Devil Reigns number two, featuring the incomparable uh, White Queen herself, Emma Frost, and a, and a good blue lip and blue eye shadow giving you Ice Queen. I wish you bitches would. Uh, my Punani good. Uh, high rent. Uh, you know, it, it's great. So, of course, like, Emma's like, on trial because they believe she's connected to this like, um, which not on trial, she's being investigated because she believes she's connected to some cold murder case of some young girl that is now dead or missing or something, and she's being accused of murder, but we are doing a flashback into Emma's life and you know, how she has done some things using her psychic abilities, like being disguised as uh, the invisible woman and taking out a loan and investment uh, manipulating Tony Stark, manipulating um, She-Hulk, uh, also getting involved with Nick Fury and just getting her information. She's also known as the angel to Electra's devil, working for uh, Wilson Fisk, aka the Kingpin at the time, um, before she makes her way, of course, eventually to the Hellfire Club, which is kind of like living both nefarious things. Um, we catch up with her years later. I mean, I'm sorry, years ago. Back when she was white queen of the uh, Hellfire Club, and Electric, you know, sneaks in. It's like, girl, we have a conversation. I did, I did some shit, and and I think a child is going to get hurt in the process. She's like, what child? And so like, Emma's like, show me. 
I would like to say that I do appreciate Phil uh, Noto's work. No, yeah, Noto, Noto, Noto work. I don't know. I, I'm not your last name pronouncer, and I want to mess up your last name. But Phil's work is great. Um, he was in the cable book, and then he did some of of Excalibur, and now he's doing the Devil Rain thing. It, it like his work works very well for the for the cuckoo for the cuckoos and and Emma for these white blonde people. It works very well. So they're discussing what needs to be done, and Emma and Electra agree that like we gotta get this child somewhere safe and out of the line of fire because like now that she knows the information, this could really be fucked up for her. We don't want that. Um, but then, in the midst of this going on, they are aware they're being followed, they're being tracked, and that someone's trying to harm the child. And Emma releases a psychic scream out to Spider-Man, who's currently in his uh, black suit, uh, symbiote-infested costume to come and, like, get into the fight to kind of help them, but not help them. And um, Spider-Man shows up, gets involved in the fight, is helping Elektra. Emma's, like, trying to explain to the little girl, like, look, this is a tea, baby girl. We gotta get your body here. And I love you. You are so beautiful. You are a beautiful young lady, but we have to get you somewhere safe, darling, because this is not gonna be good. And these bad men will keep trying you. And, you know, come on, come with me. We, we got We got this. Um, Emma Frost, you know, one thing that, that she made very clear issues that like she does a lot of things, but like she always loves she loves the kids. She ain't like these other monsters in the X Men uh, world yeah. who, uh, who abuses children. She loves the kids. It was Cap. She's a, the one thing Emma Frost has never done is been an abuser of kids. I was like, Laura Kenny, <laughs> all the Massachusetts Academy. I was like, some you would prefer not to be. That was a but let's not lie. That was an accident. The Hellions dying was an accident. That, and it's so bad because the person is is an ancestor of the Hellfire Club. Fucking Trevor Fitzroy is a, is a descendant of Shinobi Shaw, who's actually descendant of Harry Leland, which explains why Trevor. Probably she emotionally abused, and that's the point. She's never been a physical abuser. I think they should caveat at that. She's never physically abused children. She has always been an emotional abuser of children. And you know what? People are stronger for it, aren't they? Sometimes people need to get their feelings hurt, you know? Oh my God, why are you doing Emma like Emma's a, Emma's a great person. Okay, okay, so. I love White Savior. <laughs> so back to the story, because uh, Steven's about to bash this woman to glory. Um, so basically, you know, they, they start getting her out of there, and the Spider-Man's like, look, you're trying to kidnap this old girl. Like, what's going on? Just relax, just relax. Ain't nothing crazy going on, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, let me just check and see what's in your head, see what the fuck you've been through. And then she sees that he what he's been through with Spider-Man, she's just like, oh. She said, baby, you went through a lot. But we're going to make sure you forget all that's ever happened. But I appreciate you. I love you. But, gosh, she's like, her heart melted for, for the melted for the poor boy. Um, She puts Is- Isabel, which is a little black girl, into a car, sends her off. and But the kingpin is, of course, like, keeping track, has photos. All kinds of shit. It's become a really big setup. Uh, Emma goes into disguise and try to get herself back to the London Hellfire Club and get some information on some things. She ends up running to Union Jack, who fucks her up and kidnaps her. Well, not kidnaps her, but, but puts her under arrest. And now Emma's under arrest for the possible murder of this young lady, who it is not really clear if she survived that day or she died that day, or the Kingpin actually did get her. Uh, thoughts, concerns, accusations. Uh, yeah. My heart goes out for that poor, beautiful black child. Mine does too. And I'm glad because this is some 
Because this is some crazy shit. Like, this is, I'm stuck in the middle of some crazy superpowered white folks. Like, he didn't do nothing. <laughs> he didn't even do nothing. But Emma did say Black Lives Matter in this one. She said, This she black really life did. will not be extinguished. She, she reminded her of Astrid. That's why. She reminded her of Astrid. Right. Be like Emma. Don't be like, don't be like Mora. Be like Mora. Abigail Brand. Right. Oh. I'm I'm sorry. I got a little sick in my mouth. Even discussing her, her one note bad power. Ooh, yeah. I can set my hands on fire. How impressive is that? It's not. You're not good. Has, you're not a good mutant. She has, she has some heat warmers. Yeah, heat warmers. She gives you a spicy hand job. That's her code name, right. spicy hand job. Uh, but True. essentially, here you see so much more of Emma Frost's heart, and I'm appreciative of that. It, I think it's also them trying to do a balancing act with like the truth of what Emma Frost did and like how she reflects on those things. So I think with Emma Frost, it's really easy to simplify her as a bad person because she was. Right. But there right. is still the underlying layer of like the question of what kind of villain was she and what kind of villain was she actually aspiring to be. Um, like I love villains specifically because I love people who are like recovering villains as a character, especially women, but all across right. the board. Like I liked Sebastian Shaw's like, era when he was with the Five Lights. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know, mind wiped and he was trying to figure out how to be a good person. And eventually he fell off the wagon. But also like Sabretooth when he was inverted. And I oh, you know anything about once upon a time. You know anything about once upon a time? I you can't tell me shit about Regina. Regina Mills couldn't tell me nothing. I fuck with Faith from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That aspect of being a villain and trying to redeem yourself and figure out like what you're trying to do is so important to me. And that's why I do not fuck that much with Scarlet Witch is because they keep trying to remove and erase what she did rather than let her confront it and just be like, I'm a good guy. I'm a good person. Sometimes good people fuck up and I do a bad thing. And yes, mine was a genocide. But, you know, I really wasn't all that there during it. I'm going to try to do better. They don't do that with her. Whereas you see Emma here, and Emma's like, not only did I save that girl's life, I know exactly where to find her right now. It was never a moment where Emma Frost let that girl think that she was alone. Right, right, right. Amen. Amen. And she came through. She was like, I was her fairy godmother. I was her good witch. You like, you can tell me a thousand and one bad things. I can show you the good that I've done in my life. And that is where you get like why Emma Frost is that bitch. And yes, Storm might slap the shit out of her, but Storm ain't kill her yet. I'm not gonna sit here and pretend Storm wouldn't. Exactly. Exactly. Listen. But I, but I, I I am really interested to see like uh Electra. Like I really kind of wish I was reading all the Devil's Reign. I'm not reading it at all. Um, because this story to me is isolated enough where I feel like I don't need to read the rest of the books to figure out what the fuck is going on. I really don't care. Uh, but it's nice to see a white woman with some act right because, um, as we edge into our next book, a white, well, if a you white do want to read Devil's Reign, uh, Electra's featured here, but Electra does a lot of great shit. Um, Electra's always fun to see. She's like, and she did the really good point of highlighting that, yeah, I kill people quick. That's the beneficent, that's the beneficiary of me. You make people go up against like their morals and their like very foundation of being it was like giving like jessica jones questioning the nature of what it means to be a mind controller 
she's like, your gift has repercussions that kills people in the slowest way possible. You are actually disgusting to me. Um, which is interesting when you consider what she's doing in Devil's Reign. She's currently the only Daredevil. Um, and I encourage everyone to go check it out. Unfortunately, we won't be recapping that until Electra becomes mutant, um, which might never happen. So we're not covering that. Toodaloo, thanks so much. Also, wait, quick question. How are they holding trial for Emma Frost when you you can't charge right. yeah, she's a diplomat. federally? Yeah, she has diplomat in the memory. I immediately thought that too. I was just like, because like, because they should be all back to the saber tooth thing, and I was like, how are they holding her accountable? Why hasn't anybody come and snatched her up yet? But I think also part of like Emma trying to politic for Krakoa, she's like, y'all can try this, but you know this is not going to happen. I'm letting y'all, I'm letting y'all arrest me because they're going to come and get me anyway. So like, we only saw her. It's the same thing with saber tooth. They 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 got him in custody, but Emma came and got his ass. I'm like, okay, girl, okay, this was cute. Y'all had y'all fun, you know. But you know, come get saber tooth. We got to go. It's been cute. Write us an email, daughter. We going back to Krakoa. We had our own shit. I don't need. I, we don't need any help. Thank you. And it's like you can't charge her. If you try to charge her, then you are brushing up with federal law, and Fitz can be literally impeached and thrown out of office for it. It's like, are you going to prove that she killed someone? Because even then, she must be extradited to Krakoa and put into the hole. There's not right. a lot of thinking, but it's, I think it's a part of it's also that Fisk doesn't understand what the fuck he's doing. And in doing that and not knowing and not having all the pieces, they lose. I will also highlight right. that we just got, for the first time ever, um, we just got uh, a new weakness for Emma Frost. That gas deactivated her, her, her diamond form. So which, which, is a, which is another problem. I don't know who got who made that gas or where they got that shit from. Oh no, I figured it out. They're not extraditing her. She got arrested in the UK. The UK doesn't extradite per Excalibur. Listen, the United Kingdom, you guys have been fucking up since, you know, Brexit and <laughs> so sorry darling okay i think we're wrapping this up for all of x-men's devil's reign you know emma frost and her major psychic electra and Dante, take it away baby all right so we're just gonna skim through uh x deaths of wolverine issue three so here we have um, in the opening in the beginning of the book, we have Scout and Aurora talking about um, the vault. Well, Scout is questioning her about the vault and how many people did she kill. If there's uh, two or three Wolverines and whatnot, um, Xavier Astro projects to um, Laura and tells her about the um, uh, Phalanx Wolverine and the havoc he's wreaking and um basically says that he wants a wolverine to handle a wolverine's job and that the um logan is indisposed so he can't um he can't take care of it and then um scout jumps in she's like i'm gonna go ahead and um uh tag along with you too so we get to um this epiphany campus where we have um our mad uh Ch and um 
he's about to do some big launch for his company and um the cia come on um, the cia show up and basically are saying that he has to come he has to come with them with um dolores ramirez i believe um so we get to um the phalanx wolverine driving in this cop car and he's brushing past security drives into the um uh drives into the building and then he just starts attacking everybody um all the guards and everything so they get um arnab to his helicopter um he takes off and then you see moira kind of tagging along somewhere in the um at the bottom of the um helicopter so they get to um san francisco to his i guess it's like a mountain base or a mountain lab or whatever really nice little penthouse type of deal um moira is um uh, holding him at gunpoint and she's saying she's sorry about his launch but um she's going to um this will this will make up for it so he asks what she wants and she's saying that she's trying to um save both of um both of their lives and um she goes on to tell him about um excuse me she goes on to tell him about um uh i guess the phalanx wolverine and what he's after and the whole big deal so um we get back to that um campus wolverine the phalanx wolverine is still uh tearing through guards shredding them to pieces and then um lord intervenes jumps in and then they have a scuffle um all the wolverines actually jump in and try to take out uh the phalanx wolverine and um Dakin, he kind of acknowledges that that is actually wolverine that we're seeing but it's a, a different type of wolverine so um he says he says it's really you isn't it dad and then the phalanx wolverine he kind of he retracts his claws and then he says something to the effect of none of you make it and he knows how each one of them dies and we get back to um this lab that moira and arnab is at and um he is creating some type of this looks like a robotic arm and um she's kind of narrating and she's saying that she is going to um they're going to build like a machine and it's going to be like a mental upload and it's going to guarantee her 11th life and um you get a view of this weird ass looking robot and it she also refers to um she doesn't refer to it as a um artificial intelligence it's more so augmented augmented intelligence because she's going to be human and robot so um arnav is like do you think that it's risky playing god and um more respectfully like no it's not risky playing god and she's like um the mutants are getting out of hand they're getting they're going unchecked they already um have resurrection so um we're gonna take these devils the fuck out so she's referring to mutants as devils 
And then we get to this last part, and it's a quote from Moira, and it says, forever is where I live. I tried to take you all with me, and you chose not to come. And then, oh, we got another part here, sorry. So we get to, um, also, it's back to Powers of X. It's like in a millennium from now in the preserve, and it's year 1000. And then you see Wolverine in the, in like the biome dome or whatever it's called. And um, Moira, I guess she's infected with the phalanx or whatever. Um, she says she's been observing him and um, watching everything, all his attempts to escape and everything. And she says she's been waiting for this moment to see this look on his face as she kills the last mutant. And then she blows a hole in his back or well, through his chest or whatever. And then um, we get to another panel and Phalanx Wolverine is saying that's only the beginning. So apparently something's happened around that time with the biome Moira supposedly killing him and then somehow him being affected with the um uh with the phalanx so that ends the um issue three so any thoughts and concerns on that i feel like this this highlights to me how x lives of wolverine would be way better if instead of going backwards and and wolverine's bullshit we were going to each of his lives, which I thought we were doing each of his lives along Myra's timetable. That's what I thought we were getting with this, but instead we're getting just all that other shit we're gonna be getting this week and all the other bullshit that is going on so far with Myra and Wolverine. Can Mystique just hurry up with that pistol and shoot someone? I think all of it is so very weird. Like, you're supposed to be the savior of, of mutant kind, and you create Krakoa, give everybody what they want, and now you're just like, you're going to actually put your body into a machine, and a lot, like, I, it, none of it makes sense to me. Like, none of it makes sense to me. Like, you that you that mad at Mystique and Destiny that you want to end a whole race of people? Like, like where's your, your son is on that island. White women are dangerous. White women are dangerous. I, I don't understand. I don't understand any of this. And, and and the only thing that was really good about the issue was the scene of the Wolverines versus Wolf versus Phalanx Wolverine, and how he just like I see you all die, and it's just like, and he just like he knows he's dead too because he's infected with the Phalanx. He's not even like who he is. I think that's why we have. That's why I, I think that's partially why there's some weird thing that that timeline was allowed to go on and thrive. Because, like, while they may have killed her in essence and sent her body back, well, they re for resurrection, well, not for, for uh, not resurrection, um, uh, not resurrection, what's the word I'm looking for? Reincarnation. Reincarnation. She came back from reincarnation, they all, but her body was, was left there dead. So they used it with the physical memories that are inside of her body to allow the timeline to go. It's really fucked up. That's probably why none of the other timelines have proceeded on because. She definitely died, and her body was like, you know, done. But yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's a weird situation. I, I I'm actually I actually do like Ten Deaths of Wolverine better than Ten Lives. Ten Lives is all over the place for me. Mm -hmm. However, yeah. but however, uh, I, uh, I I I will say I do love the Wolverines, uh, Dokken, um and um, 
Laura and Scout is well, Gabby yeah. doing that thing. I, 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 I like I, I hate to say I like the I, I like the Howlet kids better like the summer kids. Howlet kids True. got going on. Yeah, it's because they have put more effort into it, and they can actually fight unlike their dad. Because you should really, you should really see, you should really. I don't mean by reading Dark Ages, but uh, oh, it's, it's a, yeah. So like Wolverine and and Scout are in charge of like perimeter defenses against like vampires and shit, mm-hmm. and they yeah. are no, they are no fucking joke in this book. Like no fucking joke. The uniform, everything, the art, it's, yeah. it's phenomenal. But you expect that, and you would hope that actually. And you saw um, Storm's daughter, you know. <laughs> so cute. She's so cute. So adorable. But I always wanted, did want to see a comic where they did analyze. Like, I want to see potentially what the Chimera thing would have went if they had stuck with it. Because it now appears like they're just not. What would Krakoa be? Are they just replicating specific powers they know need to exist? And there were Wolverines uh, that's going to exist. Are the Wolverines going to be the law enforcement for Krakoa proper? Or I think aspects of looking at what is the society of X-Men inspired shit look like. And it wasn't just because Future State kind of did that, um, or at least some aspects of not just Future, uh, future State, but there's like, you know, Elseworlds comics where they show like, oh, a thousand years in the future, um, people took the emblems of what it meant to be a hero and just replicated it a thousand times over across society. So like, you don't have Green Lanterns on this planet because there will only be one, but you do have a Lantern core that now focuses as like they they make one champion of the Green Lantern Corps who serves on the Justice League or whoever superhero team is in charge at the time, or they Gotham is not ran by Gotham City Police; they're ran by Batman. Uh-huh. And Batman are the cops. I definitely feel like I definitely feel like it would have been um, better that way, but I just I don't know. It's like I'm so. I, I I really have to like agree with Henry because I don't understand like where all the animosity like she's doing a lot. Moira's doing a lot. And I'm like, you're doing all of this just to get at me. I mean it, it's it's giving much, very much self-hatred. <laughs> it's giving very much self-hatred to the to the point that you would put your consciousness or excuse like a make a mental upload in a fucking machine. And then it, it's just it's it's fucking weird. Like, yeah. I like what is it like? What is your malfunction, baby? Like, who hurt you that bad? Like, <laughs> I really feel and like I feel like there's aspects of this that is just Myra's inability. Like, I agree when I read it. Like, when they explain, like, basically Myra's issue is that if you live for too long, everyone else's issues seem inconsequential. Very much like Celine. Because in truth, Myra has lived as long as Celine, basically, right? And that Celine doesn't perceive people as people anymore. She's like, you're not like a person. You're like, you, relatively, you're already dead to me, basically. You will live for 100 years. I've lived yeah. for 5,000. What's 100 years at all in the grand scheme of creation? So when you attribute that to a character, it becomes very clear that Myra isn't thinking. Because she didn't treat Podius like she was, he was just her son at all. But she's so guilt-stricken by her first family. And it makes sense. Relatively, that first life was her first ever experience. And so she compares every life 
to the quality that she had with that first one, which was she was human in that world. She thought she was human in that world. And so in this life, when she just did not have to care about mutant kind, that's the best life. And she feels that, well, it was good enough for me. It should be good enough for all mutant kind. And right. that's the worst type of thing you can have. Well, she's a self, she's a self-hating mutant. That's what it really comes down to. Yeah, and she deserves death. That's what it really comes down um, to, and, and that's why this is why it's so unfortunate, like to be there in, in in so many depths of your community for hundreds and hundreds of years, and for you to throw them under the bus like that because you know they're not going to win, and you're not. It's like you're just like you're hopeless, and it's just like it's and it's turned into like you're going to humans for help. I really think that like part of them like dropping the ball about like not including Mora into any of Krakoa after after they revealed that she was the one behind it all. Like I don't know why the Quiet Council didn't agree. It's like like I, I really hope that Immortal X Men really goes into all right. If y'all did all this, where is Mora McTaggart? Like because yeah. everybody everybody's in the loop now, and for 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 me it's really strange that has not really come up the conversation yet, especially knowing how much. Um, Nightcrawler, Storm, and some others are like you know peaceful people, and also would be probably grateful. Like someone, like someone like Exodus, who is a Kokoa purist, would be like, "I'll be so thankful for this woman. I want to meet her." I'm really shocked that this has gone the way it's gone. Y'all, Hickman ain't been gone. Ain't been gone two weeks. God damn y'all. Yeah, <laughs> and it's spiraling. Like quickly, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. Well, with that being said, it's time for the circuit party. Was our lovely, lovely topic this time? Okay, so I sent the topic last week, and it's something that oh. I considered when making that active thread on the timeline where we discuss the potential quote-unquote mutants who could reach the Omega level status. Um, I saw some people who got deeply confused by the statements being there. Um, more specifically, Storm didn't always get the categorization that we knew she deserved as an Omega. Uh, she was always considered a potential. And what that basically meant to me was that she has all the signs. It's just they are waiting for the one extra caveat for them to achieve that level. It's mostly about the hearsay behind, like, people get called Omega level all the time or did, and there was no real thing to prove what that meant. Because the right. power level system is really fucked up. So the second part for this week is we will be redefining the power level system entirely to defocus the human appearances that mutants can have and re-ranking the X-Men uh, accordingly to their new uh, classification. So basically, if you don't know, the classification system from gamma onwards to beta to alpha and then omega and there's a bunch of those individuals in between but all of it is based on how human you present so the lower levels of the leveling system uh would rank you as a subpar mutant not because your power is weak but because you do not present as human right. so cyclops is technically an alpha level mutant cyclops can't control his power that don't make no sense. But someone, say, who does not present human, like Elixir, if we go by the classification system, 
he's an omega level mutant, but he is not an alpha level mutant. And that don't really make much sense. And do that classification system, if they share it, even though, like, for some reason, Iraqi refers to themselves as omega level mutants, um, right. they have their own version of that. They do not appear to classify themselves through any of that. So, on some level, they admit that there's a different system with them. And some people suspect that potentially they say, if you can beat someone on the council or you can defeat them in combat, by default, you are an omega level mutant. So it doesn't matter what the caveat is. You can gain it way easier. Um, versus on Krakoa, they have the stipulations, but more importantly, they have a power range categorization that there could only be one. And it's also not clear if they share the system with Arako. So can Destiny be an Omega level mutant, even though Idol is an Omega? So how should the system instead be classified? Well, it's just like... I'm, I'm really curious about, like, you know, because like, like, like you said, we don't have a clear understanding about, like, how they measure the Omega level thing. I think, like, the Omega level idea is interpreted through the lens of what Krakoa thinks Omega level is where their upper limits may be totally different from ours. Because, um, like, cause of course, for you to be on the uh, the Great Ring, you have to be an Omega-level mutant. Um, so, like, that will put Iska, the unbeaten, in a very similar uh, power situation like Domino is. Mm -hmm. They're very similar abilities because they're based on probability, but except for the probability that Iska asserts always leads to her victory. Or there's some, like, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Cosmic, like cosmic awareness of like how the scales always balance. Right. And, her and power how, is sentient. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like you know, Domino's powers are pretty much like, you know, she can. They're a passive ability, but the thing is that like the thing is the difference between her and Iska is that like Iska's ability is a passive, like the vote, for instance. Like, that's her physically asserting her will and using her abilities. So she's like, I'm not going to vote until this vote is over, and then, I'll, and then my vote will land where it's supposed to land to the victory, because I never could be a loser. Um, but Domino's power doesn't work that way. So, like, I think Domino may passively cast her vote, and she may just be on the winning side, versus Iska, who, who can completely inadvertently control the vote. But with that being said, I think it's just like, I think people being considered beta level, specifically on like like prime example, uh, Gold Balls, aka Egg, was probably considered a beta level mutant because he just shoots eggs. Well, well, I guess Alpha because it's it's defensive and offensive, his abilities. But now knowing that those eggs really are basically, you know, life forms, like, yeah, yeah, life forms that could be cultivated into life for mutants. You know, does that make him an omega level mutant? Because he basically is creating life or a part of it. And I think because his range is so limited that he right. would not obtain that classification. And that's the most difficult part about the classification system in general is that it doesn't ask the question of like, I think it, it can consider situations like, yeah, can you do something in a bigger scale? But also, right. can you like, there's a thing in the conversation about like called like power scaling where people do that shit where they take a character's greatest feat and they say, this is something that they can do, but it never considers the fact that you are never operating at your peak at all times. And any athlete can tell you that. 
And any bottom can tell you that. You're never at your peak at all times. Wow. 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 <laughs> Wow. And so <laughs> I, 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 felt, I, I felt like that was racist. And I like the uh, stricken that comment from the Cole radio record of Steven saying the bombs and everything. Peak. I'm at my peak. I'm at my peak now. Um, yeah, aren't like, you? Well, no, there's someone else claiming to be the Omega level bottom. Who? One of our fans, one of our, our good, our good oh. sisters, literally under the title Omega level bottom. Yeah. Um, um, no, well, I mean, like, well, the thing is that, like, all, all these Omega Level Bottoms are my nieces. I made them all, um, they all Your Omega Level Power is a different classification. You're a very powerful bottom, but your Omega Level classification, you know, is I'm under probably, a different thing. Like, I'm probably, like, Xavier, or, like, I'm an Alpha Level, uh, telepath, and I can, like, do telepathy. Mike, Kid Omega. I'll say Kid Omega, because they never clarify what the fuck his Omega Level status is. It's not telepathy. It's not telepathy. It's not. Not so telekinesis. Like they on the. Um... No, that's Exodus. Quentin Quire is an Omega still. They they classify him as an Omega during the uh, giant size X Men, which I feel like they need to clarify. I feel like that was a typo, right? That was a typo that someone forgot to rectify and take him out, and they just went with it, and now it went too far, so they can't dabble back because he was all over giant size X Men. I mean, he was yeah, over planet size X Men. Well, they say he's a he's a he's a he's a uh, Omega level telepath, but it's also him. But he can't be, because Gene is Omega level telepath, and underneath their rule, there could only be one per group. Like it's the reason why Polaris can't qualify. But 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 that kind of goes to the same thing about like how they are. So look, I'm looking at the at the list, you know, minus of course Franklin Rich, Richards, of course, which is. Which is which I feel like is also a cop out and bullshit. But there are three different versions of reality manipulation. And Jamie Braddock is listed as reality manipulation quantum. Kevin Metagra Proteus is listed as uh, reality manipulation psionic. And Franklin Richards Powerhouse is listed as reality manipulation universal. What does that even mean? Like, oh, I think it was. So that's, a, that's some deep science. That's like deep science fiction. Like, for me to explain it is going to be like a long thing, but basically, psionics would be mind over matter. So he's such a powerful. Technically, it would be like telekinetic. Like, have you ever seen like that Batman episode from Justice League where he went up to Ace and he talked her through like dying and he's just kind of her on the swing? She would be right. a psionic reality warper. Her power started off like telekinesis, and it just expanded from there. That she's like now in touch with the very foundations of reality. She thinks something and it becomes real. Mm. It's different since also probably how they mandate shit. Like a psionic reality warper, because their power is more so I imagine it and it's real. It's like thought projection, basically. They can okay. give someone powers just off the strength of I think you should be able to run fast and now you have super speed. Um, whereas like matter manipulation would be I'm restructuring the fabric of shit. It's like the reason why they were like Monarch when the final battle in Excalibur happened. They was like, why aren't you warping reality and making them vanish? He's like, I only manipulate what's here. And right now, reality is being fucked with on such a level that if I touch anything, it'll collapse and I can't recreate it. I don't make things out of nowhere. I twist what's already around us. Now, I may may need a um, reminder of some sort. But do we have an Omega level 
time manipulator? So that's uh, the ultimate question about really, several mutants. Yeah, because I really feel like I really feel like that's the only as far as the classification for that, I really to to my knowledge, I can't remember I can't remember us even having a omega level time manipulator. So because think, really, think that we can have that? Right. I think we should because things that's really interesting, like three out of five three out of five of the five are Omega levels, minus Egg and Tempest, which I find really interesting that Tempest is not an Omega level because that whole yeah. Matthew Malloy situation really showed that like Mama could really do some shit with time. But she but also, didn't yeah. manipulate it. So that's the interesting thing about Tempest. Like she's mastered her power at this point, I'll say. That she can accelerate time locally, she can decelerate it locally, and she can travel. I still about, feel like magic might got her number. So what do you think about t- tempo? Because tempo is, is similar based in her ability. Tempo's not. Yeah, I feel like I it's one of those things like, you know, our homeboy a mantle, manifold, sorry, manifold is very powerful, but he just has a powerful ability. Like if you're a time manipulator, period, you're going to be good. But it wasn't given Omega. Yeah, because I feel like she I feel like hers is more so like I could see her kind of being like the piper. Um, like, I was thinking because I was like I, the most that I've seen, even when she was in um, what was that bad guy group? Because she, I know she started off as a bad guy. What was that group? I forgot the name of that group. Anyway, it was hers was more so slowing and accelerating time, but it really wasn't anything like on a serious level. I don't. I mean, I would love for temp, uh, for tempo to be on an omega level type of uh, classification, but. She's just, it, it just seems like she's at the, the basics. Right. And that's still devastating. Like, Piper is not, yeah. Piper is the reason why the Charmed Ones lasted as long as they did. The power yeah, to freeze know. time is not anything. That's not a joke. That's not, this is not something you can fuck around with. And Tempest, she's good. She's really good at what she does. And like, mm-hmm. mastering it in that way of showing, like, this is how you beat Matthew Malloy. I'm just going to travel to the past, make sure his parents never meet. But she didn't really use her power for that. She just walked in one direction. Um, I feel like fundamentally what magic does, there's something about her stepping discs. Because like, I was looking at magic more recently because I was trying to classify like, or whether or not I thought she competes at all with her Omega level version, which I posted in that thread. A lot of people never knew that there's already an Omega level. She's currently in the Affinity comic for Wolverine, for the X-Men right now. They have a whole run with her. Because they're finally, they forgot, I think, to introduce her into the X-Men. And they're like, we focus on all these Omegas. Did we remember that in a Deadpool comic like a few years ago? There was this character, and we said that she was an Omega-level teleporter. Mm. She's a page. In that, like, you know how Paige can just call out an object Ooh. and teleport it? Yeah. So she can do that. There's no limit to the size of the thing that she can teleport. And I thought, oh, well... People can't teleport with her. So I thought that was stupid. I was like, oh, then that's not Omega. That's just dumb. She needs to work on that. But then they did something that showed me that actually doesn't fucking matter. She teleported the entire building around her above the air. And there was no limit on the distance she could have put it. She said, I can send anything from one side of the planet to the other side of the planet. People will die if I do that to you. People can't survive that. She can survive it. But she was like, Generally, she couldn't move a planet. 
But in essence, couldn't magic do the same thing with her stepping disc? Like if she just like me and she focused? Like optic. I don't know because I feel like nobody's really tested with magic stepping disc because I feel like she had she could have qualified for like an Omega level teleporter because she was teleporting through like the multiverse. Uh, I think this might be the thing that they would separate into two different categories. So because I think about it, like teleporters, there's multiple kinds of it. So magic is limited by size. Her desks, her discs truly are not that they're big. I'm not gonna say not that big. They're like the size of a room at max. But that's Mm -hmm. a limit on like how many people or how many things she can teleport at once. Right. Versus she can go far distances, she can go from one side of the universe to the other. She can even traverse time. That's like a control thing. The other girl, basically, she's only teleporting herself and objects, except there's no limit on the, the things that she can send. There's no distance gotcha. limit. I, they haven't tested, like, you know, time-based. Like, if she could send something to the past, I wouldn't be stretching my imagination to think that she couldn't. But basically, like, the limits of her ability, she teleports someone's heart out of their chest. Straight up like Paige did. And it wasn't a thing for her to do that. So I'm like, that's devastating. She's strong. So yeah. qualificationally, I'm like the two, the only person who's really seeing her right now is Magic. Also, there has to be an Omega between her and her siblings. If Mikhail Rasputin is able to bend matter around himself and Colossus just summons metal from an alternate dimension to cover his body, um, then Magic would be the strongest mutant their family could produce. Um, and she can do a lot. So you would put Mikhail, you would you would put Mikhail as an alpha, right? Yeah, he would be an alpha. He can do he's sending people to their people's minds to pass. He's an alpha. I'm I feel like he's technically a lesser version of Proteus. Like he can bend things that are like in touch distance of himself, which isn't bad. That's not a bad power. It's gonna be strong by default. It's just not what Proteus could do. Then you got someone say like X-Man, who used to be an Omega, is no longer an Omega, but he's also time displaced. And so like it fucks up with the classification a bit more. So you see like what a classification system doesn't make sense. Yeah. But also it no, I was just saying that it doubly doesn't make sense that it's drawing a line across, well, do you look human or don't you? Because it really shouldn't matter. Like Iska does not look human at all. You're not beating Iska. She is the epitome of what an Omega is. Darwin isn't listed as an alpha of a mutant. Darwin is definitely an Omega. Um, and, and and that's where um, I kind of, I kind of think where my um, input comes in. Um, I I like the fact that they um, kind of like with the Hickman era they addressed um, Omega level mutants or whatever, but. I think that what we were saying before about passive omega level mutants, kind of mm-hmm. like with like, kind of like a Phoebe Hallowell when she, you know, had a passive power. I feel like they should definitely address that because you do have certain mutants, kind of like Destiny, who have certain abilities that are stronger or exceed other uh, precogs. And it's like, 
it, it can't be like, you know, all, you know, active abilities or, you know, like weather manipulation, energy or reality warping and stuff like that. I mean, you do have some pretty strong precogs or healers or, you know, anything like that. So I, I think that with that classification, they kind of just stick to like more the blunt, the blunt, like the, you know, the more firepower type of ability yeah you know what i'm saying like uh, it's not anything it's not anything where it's like okay well i can heal i i, I can heal like i can full-blown resurrect people from the dead exactly or i can heal like 50 people in front of me in like seconds you know what i'm saying like otherwise like, triage would get promoted overnight right. which triage should yeah. be an omega that's yeah i would debate like oh maybe alpha no that's resurrecting the dead that's not small <laughs> It's not small at all. But. So, because if you factor in all that stuff, and like maybe there's just some um, like focusing on like, oh, there needs to be a catalyst event. There needs to be a situation that is so big that you can't question whether or not someone is an omega. Which I'm like fair. So that means means that if the issue isn't whether or not they are omega, it is the representation of those miracles. Like I'm really, ha I always go back to that quote that Storm said when she was doing. Her sword issue, which is Omega's traffic in miracles, not just one miracle. You have to do multiple. Right. And like Vulcan, multiple miracles. He's immune to magic. He is greater than Captain Marvel in terms of what his power set can do. And that's what makes him dangerous is because like I read that issue of the Guardians of the Galaxy where Vulcan was a villain. He was fucking shit up. There was no hope of defeating him. Adam Warlock tried his best and it was not even close and that shows the ingenuity the threat of what an omega level mutant is not just on an earth-based heroes thing but like what do you do if you take this mutant and you throw up against someone that is on a cosmic scale storm could compete which is why i always disagree with like that interpretation of storm losing to the phoenix which i'm like it wouldn't be as cut and dry it might be difficult but it wouldn't be a cut and dry fight it shouldn't be if you're doing your job right um I'm like, with Kid Omega, he doesn't fit into the Omega Love classification unless you do tie in passive powers. Because they go like, oh yeah, the most powerful brain on the island, on the planet, is, is Kid Omega. He wow. may not use his power correctly or for responsible means. His brain functions at billions of light years of a speed. He has thoughts at such a rapid level that there's no real ability to... His brain is the fastest computer known to creation. He also can't stay alive long enough to even put him in a category too. So, well, right. that may be another thing. <laughs> like, you know, when you when you die and you come back, you have a suspended power increase automatically. Mm -hmm. So he may be developing, but like you know, Quentin is so arrogant; he may not be seeing things for what they truly are. Yeah, he doesn't um, think. <laughs> yeah, like he does. He's kind of like you know, like you know, like when you know you just shit, you don't have to, you don't think critically about the work you do anymore. That's kind of like where he is. Um, there was an ability called Omnipathy, right? Well, not even Omnipathy. I'm not going to get into the Omnipathy because that's more so what Lactuka's ability is, is Omnipathy. The total awareness of all things around you. It's mostly in a set limited space. Like there's an Omnipath mutant who was a part of the group that attacked the, um, the Morlocks, uh, one of the Marauders. And they had the ability to understand all things in immediate vicinity um with that ability it was limited like they had like 
say it's like very much limited like how people with power of psychokinesis are like Celine, her power is she's psychokinetic what that means for her though is that she can control any non-organic or non-sentient object right or there's a psychokinetic that used to be a part of another team called debris where she can only control objects the size of dust mites the problem is that there's no limit to how many things like that she can control so she can create tsunamis and sandstorms which is the wave of her hand by disintegrating everything around her omnipathy for Lactuka is you understand all energy around you so not just thoughts but you understand how many atoms are in a one glass of one glass of coffee or like you understand what the light is doing around you you can't be snuck up on you can't be shot you know exactly every chemical component all around you you know all that shit uh-huh. that's basically what Latuka does but on a cosmic level she's super woke that's the that's the great thing about my sis um then there is the concept of like omnipotence which is i think it's only we got illustrated as a power once and like the got the chaos wars which was that mind fuck of an event that everything just went wrong it wasn't bad it was just like a situation where I thought the writers wrote themselves in a corner that they could not fix. Um, and Hercules developed that power, and it was like he, he could not functionally use it correctly because he was not a thinker. And it was like he, for the, it took him like seven issues before he sat down and thought, could we win this? And then his power kicked in and was like, no, you can't. It's like the wisdom of Solomon. You answer your own questions only when you know the question to ask and you take the time to think about it. That is probably what Kid Omega's Omega level ability is because he's the one that came up with the concept of the sword satellite. Uh-huh, 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 and they uh-huh. took it. Gene was like, oh, I spot that. I see that. Good idea. And he was like, he only has good ideas. Just like in the Wolverine, the X-Men run, he, with his telepathic abilities, created his own world where he was the god of it. And he created an AI that's constantly running in the back of his head nonstop and it does not stop. And so he always has a fleeting thought sustaining that world, no matter what he's doing. So power like that, that's an Omega, and that's a good Omega-level passive ability, because it's like a thing that you don't even think about or pay attention to, but it would give him a classification, therefore he's earned it. It would mean that Charles Xavier really should just be asking him as a consult more often to just think about shit instead of sending him out on death missions. But I feel like in the back of my head, this small hit cannon, he did that to Kid Omega literally to prevent him from thinking about Krakoa too hard. Or part of the problem too, I think I think that like Krakoa is like they are really pushing the narrative of like human like what are human mutant power circuits and people using their powers in conjunction. They can't become Omega levels less less created Omega level experience by combining mm-hmm. them. But I think that like the thing that that the failure, the thing I keep that I keep seeing is that there are no contingencies to most of these groups if someone is missing or somebody dies. Prime example, they've made some backups to the the five, but if but egg is the is is the most important component of it all. Like there's no mutant on the island that has a similar ability to egg whatsoever. And I'm pretty sure they probably have like an egg of him backed up just in case. Something does happen to him, like like a probably like a fully matured egg that's probably like sitting somewhere frozen in time, but like it can't instilled with eggs DNA. Yeah, Fabio's yeah, DNA. Like, 
It's like it's ready to go at any time. Probably like two. If they smart, they have probably have two or three of them ready. However, I think the thing that's really interesting is that like you know, you may not be able to have a major level meetings, but like y'all keep creating these circuits. Like you know, let's expound upon that. Let's see how does like 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 the new mutant kids are really good for it, but like you know, putting let's say someone like 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 really something really basic like using someone who is who's a who's a water who's a hydrokinetic this one that also figured out recently is that they don't have many mutant hydrokinetics um yeah what's his name it's not he's the one in the comic right now is his name hydro no it's not hydro that's the actual spider-man villain um water spout water a water boy and water boy yeah yeah like, but, oh, you like, can't forget. Sorry, you can't forget uh, Colossus's uh, little uh, girlfriend that he killed, Kayla. But you don't know. Oh yeah, that. but she's easy to forget. She's in a ditch. Yeah, she's very. She is. Right, she's, and uh, like you know, you would think they would like you know, like you put like a hydrokinetic with, uh, um, um, an aerokinetic, and they can like make like whirlwinds and like typhoons and shit like that or whatever. But just like you know, like I'm just like a basic understanding of like how that how uh mutant circuits work but i just think that like they really don't really get them i think i think forge is one is like preparing for war with the battle suits or whatever the Krakoa battle suits but they there's a part of it where like i feel like yeah mutants should be allowed to have peace and like they put the morlocks at that, at that resort you know like girl we so sorry y'all went through that massacre you lost you lost you lost your good judy's let's drop y'all off over here y'all can have peace but then everybody else should be like should be ready for war yeah i feel like within that we're going to get to the dilemma we saw in powers of x um where they asked the question of remember there was like they said like the issue that happened with krakoa at that lifetime was there were so many pacifist mutants that refused not only refused to fight but were genetically incapable of fighting and I think that's right. what we're going to get with the Legion of X, which is that idea that Nightcrawler's um, pacifism is contagious and right. that not all mutants mm-hmm. are going to take up fighting as a thing. Like, I agree with Forge you're saying, like, there's a, he's like, there's mutants here who are spectacular in ways that you never conceived of and who make your everyday life. Because when you think about it, your life won't be everyday fighting you will value the mutant who can make the most delicious ice cream you've ever tasted in your life as more important than the mutant who can shoot fire out of his eyes. Because that's like a free situational power. If you weren't trained to be an X-Men, you would find no use for it. Right. But it is beautiful. And then you look at it as like, oh, but then that mutant is useless. Forge is right to say, like, that's not the mentality we should be having. Um, I do think... When they see, when they look at Rocco, I think they learned something about themselves, which was, is that what we're going to become well, if we well, keep our system? Well, the real mm-hmm. gag is that, like, you know, evolution works both ways. While, mm-hmm. you know, the Rocco mutants were forced into Amenth and having to fight in war and battle, their evolution is, is a byproduct of, of their, of the environment they live in, Galapagos mm-hmm. Island, for instance. It, I, so, so like like Amos was basically the Galapagos Islands of mutantdom, which has created very specific, very unique and powerful mutants because their adaptation is a part of their survival. But like I said, um, evolution works the opposite way, where you may have the Krakoa mutants 
evolved to a point where like they just don't have they they don't believe in violence or they have too many passive powers too many beta level mutants not like mostly alpha level mutants in turn you get a chimera like cardinal who was a byproduct of nightcrawler and his genetic ability his genetic um abilities and he was naturally a pacifist empowers the tenant because they could appeal to make him fight because he genetically is predisposed not to participate in violence. And I think that the X-Men are not really thinking very well of like, you know, that they may have to do some kind of, because it's bringing it back to the whole Wolverines thing. Like, they may have to do some part of society where it becomes a, a caste system where, which is problematic, a caste system where specific identities do specific things. So like all the all the feral, bestial mutants are, are the police. For instance, not saying this. Not you suggesting Kryptoni, Krypton. This is literally Krypton. It's <laughs> literally Krypton. It's like they have to be. They have to be prepared for war. I would not like. I would not imagine like. Let's say black people. Let's say all black people in the in the world. All of us go back to Africa. Let's just say we all do, and we all, you know, make Africa. We take all our wealth as Americans mm -hmm. and pour it into Africa, and we mm -hmm. like, you know, we create this. Utopia for us as a as a community, but as a community, well, but I will, gonna, I will, I will, I will, I will come for it. Right, exactly. So I would be remiss to be like, yeah, this is great and everything, but like, and like Forge has really great points. Everybody has a value system in Krakoa, but just like, yeah. but but like at least like fifty percent of y'all need to be ready for war. Like yeah. we we need medical doctors, we need chefs, we need cooks, we need caretakers for older people, we need educators. To teach people on their abilities or teach them what to do, like if that's really going to work, you have to understand that evolution is going to both go both ways. And the X, you know, what I anticipate happening, mm -hmm, based mm -hmm. off of your regular mentality, because this is a I know you hate the Eternals, but right. the Eternals do have a fix to that system, which was that like yeah, they have thinkers, like they have little class, like literal classifications for how they work. Like not everyone is Cersei, but Cersei right. was designed quote unquote, born with the capacity that all her instincts, everything about her, when she pushes the natural abilities as an eternal to their limits, she's phenomenal, a brilliant transmogrifier. She will change everything around you. But then there's also a switch in her head that she sees excess deviation. She's gonna kill you. She's gonna kill it. There's no contest. There's no hesitation. She'll go for the kill. And if she dies doing it, she will resurrect herself. There's no mm -hmm. fighting that instinct. There's no deactivating it. And Icarus might be one of the people who's designed literally as his classification is mover defender. Like he's designed to fight, just like Athena is designed to fight. Two different ways, though, but they're designed to protect and to kill deviants. They still all have that drive. They still tap into the same unimind. Their circuit mm -hmm. operates automatically to get them to do the thing, which is protect their potential as a community. Yeah. And, that's, and, and that's the one thing I would have to say that works for the Eternals is that they all individually can they're a circuit with the mm -hmm. X-Men I feel like their their main issue is the fact that they're still going based off of Xavier's ideas uh -huh, that was uh -huh, back uh -huh. when they were in when uh -huh. they were back in Westchester uh -huh, but the thing uh -huh, about uh -huh. it is that when times have changed and now it's getting a little bit more serious because now you have orcas that are terraformed uh, that are terraformed Arako's moon. you know what I'm saying this is not going to be won by 
peace, love, and puppies. So right, the right. thing about it is uh-huh, that uh-huh, you have uh-huh. to find you have to find some type of balance in wanting to have peace, but also being prepared to defend this thing that you've built. You know what I'm saying? Because the Iraqis, they're gonna stay ready. The Iraqis stay ready, period. Because the really Cohen's, not so much. It's like I, the cocoons. It's like you. It, it's it's kind of depending on who you have, who you like. You said if you have maybe like a fair mutant on the team or a fighter on the team or brother or whatever, it depends. But those is like a couple. Those couples. That's that. Those couple of mutants are not going to win a whole war. And I think also think, like. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say. I think it boils down to what that satellite is for. They say that satellite is for. Oh, it's for communication. You know, Beast would never, <laughs> Beast would never of see course. something like that and say that's just gonna. Be, he know he loves sleeper agents too. I sincerely believe that it's gonna be a combination of Saint's capacity to, like, there's something there's very definitely circuits capable of turning every mutant on in the universe in the galaxy into a weapon. Just like there's a capacity to turn in humans, like they they were designed to be weapons into a sleeper agent to kill someone. I think that is going to end up that the final conclusion of the Orcus battle will be a switch and a protocol to turn every mutant not only into a weapon, but then to disperse the most lethal abilities possible across mutant kind. It's very easy for them to look at Sync and go, we have the technology technically for you to be present in every single mutant out here. And we have the technology because his power in case people forget it, if he's in you forget it, he does not mutate himself. He has an aura around himself that will become whatever mutation he needs it to be. He's basically a thought projector, but he projects the aura. Like if he needs wings because he's copying Angel, his aura will become wings. Just like when he's mimicking telepathy, his aura shouldn't be pink. It's, uh, it only turned pink really in the most recent version when he did it by muscle memory. And he lashed out to Jean and copied her power. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's a rainbow aura. But you know what would be an interesting concept if it, is, is, is if they used sync as a way to uh, replicate mutant abilities. Like if they had an army of maybe, I don't know, some type of robots or it's, it's, something. It's, it's, it's giving days of future past and I'm still on the mystique ability to copy. That, that's exactly what I, the only kicker with that was that Mystique was a shapeshifter. That's where Rogue should have came into play, which is why they shouldn't have did the Rogue's cut, which is why the Rogue's cut should have been in theaters, but sorry, more topic. It would, yeah, it would have made more sense, but if they think like an army of what, like I, I don't even fucking know, like Robots, I don't even know how they would go about doing this, but uh, we'll call, yeah, change Sync's name to Unity because I really want his his name to be Unity and have him synchronize with every power and just turn him into the law enforcement. I know it feels painful turning him a black man to law enforcement, but I feel like that's the conclusion of Sync's story is that no mutant has to fight as long as he exists. Turn him into Superman, of turn him to a Kokoa Superman, he's Captain Kokoa. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But yeah, I do think with that, like the circuit system should be uh the circuit system is a priority. The power level system in itself is the thing that needs to be changed. Really, it does not seem like there should be so many levels. I do think that there is aspects of it where you just go, 
are you a combat-based power? Are you a defense-based power? Or are you a psychic-based power? Because if you're a psychic, generally that means you, there's no real potential for where you can go. And are you an Omega? Mm -hmm. That's really mm -hmm. the only classification that needs to exist because your physicality has nothing to do with it. Honestly, I would rather be a physical mutant than one who looks human because you motherfuckers get killed by your own power too much. Listen, Angela. <laughs> cancer is bad. I'm not sure how you as a mutant mutated because your own mutation. It don't add up. It don't make much sense. It happened to you, though, sis, and I'm so sorry for that. It did. Um, you know, that's... We're going to pray for her. We're going to pray for her. I want that applause. This is our fight <laughs> song. Yeah, Listen, okay. notice all the annoying, um, the annoying mutants tend to get cancer. I'm not saying you're a bad person, Angela. I'm just saying that the track record, for some reason, blame the writers, most villains in the X-Men get cancer. Baron Mordor got cancer. Baron Mordor got cancer. It happened. He got cancer. He couldn't cure it. Really Shout out to my sis Clea. I love you, girl. You actually, I really fuck with you as a source of supreme. You're already better than Doctor Strange. Damn. Uh, oh, really? I, 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 does that conclude our circuit party? Yeah, that conclude our circuit party for today. Hey guys, where are we looking forward to reading for this week? Oh shit! Uh, getting on it. Watch out, coming through on the way. Get the information. We're coming. We're coming. All right, wait, we're coming, we're coming. Uh, well, for me, I'm going to recommend strength. I have so many recommendations because, you know, I love magic comics. You guys know I love me some sorcerers. So Strange, number one, check it out. It's really good. Clea is not with that fuck shit. She told those villains, I will kill you, and I don't give a fuck. And you love that energy. You love that energy. She said, I am from the dark dimension. Um, I am from, I'm one of the pop team. In my place, we've been binding demons since y'all were clicking rocks together. I said, yes, bitch. Go off. And then she said, I fuck with necromancy. I'll resurrect his ass right the fuck now if I can. I don't give a shit. I love her. I love you, Clea. You're giving me like a Eastern European vibe. So you're, you are a white woman of color. And your mom is also cool, too. We love Umar. We love you. And we love your mother. And we love your nephew, Doyle. All three y'all, I fucked with the Valentine. Y'all all can stay with me. Come to Krakoa sometime. We'll party. Um, also, check out The Magic Order. It's getting really, really... It's gotten good. It's been good. But the most recent drop, they... The, the guys have lost. You know, all hope is gone. And they have now rewritten the world and revealed that actually the planet is only about a thousand years old. Because a thousand years ago, the sorcerers from a bunch of different cultures came together stopped this great evil and rewrote history to remove the trauma of what he had done. And now all the old creatures that once ruled the world are back. And shit is getting real. Um, okay, so my recommendations. Um, I just started reading The Reckoning War featuring the Fantastic Four. It's actually really good. Um, not a Fantastic Four person, because Reed Richards gets on my nerves. But, um, but it is... Republican? Yeah, peak rich, peak Reed Richard shit goes on. 
um, but it's a really good read. I would also recommend Aquaman, which is a team up between uh, Aquaman, uh, the Black Aquaman, and Black Manta working together to solve something that's going around killing people or, or some kind of like thing that's interesting. And I also would recommend Deathstroke Inc., which is very interesting. Um, really good Deathstroke. Um, him and Black Canary was in a team up for like a while with this organization called Trust. And now Deathstroke is struck is struck out on his own to like create his own, you know, superhero, like super villain, um, like Teen Titans situation. Like he's training villains to be better villains. So the pedophile is going after children. Interesting. No, he's actually worked with other like adult villains, but his kids. Oh, okay. Because like yeah, we so... ain't forget about Tara. <laughs> but he has a, but they like, he has, like a whole wife and kids. Yes, most pedophiles do. Yeah. Wow. I <laughs> don't have any uh recommendations for today. All right. Wow, so Monte. I'm joking. Read I'm Devil's sorry. Reign as well. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I typically would have my recommendations ready, but I had been rereading that um, J uh, Justice League versus Avengers event that happened in 2003. Mm. So, yeah, I've been reading that. Um, it was it was it was cute. Um, kind of like a little. Um, quest around the Marvel universe and DC universe for certain objects of power. Um, it's like the Grandmaster and this uh, cosmic other cosmic being named uh, Krona, I believe his name is. And mm-hmm. he's searching for answers back in, I guess, before the Big Bang. And he's, whenever he doesn't get answers or some shit, he destroys um, universes. So I'm assuming that the Marvel and the DC universe was supposed to be next on the list, and they had to find these objects. And it was a lot, but it was, it's a good read. It's a good read. All right. All right. And with so that, next week, we say, oh, wait, wait. wait. Mm-hmm. Week, we have Sabretooth number two. I know Steven is looking forward to that. Um, mm-hmm. We also have, which was pushed back, X, 10 Lives of Wolverine number four. And ten deaths of Wolverine number four are next week. If he touches my daughter Oya, I'm going to slice his dick off. That's all I'm gonna say. He'll slice off the dick. I love him. And we're gonna see more about Third Eye. Uh, we'll see more about Third Eye uh, next week. You know, we have a new Black Mutant. As prayers, prayer hands for telepath. Prayer hands for telepath. We need more Black men as telepaths. Right. Okay. So with that, thank you guys all for coming by. You are loved, you are welcome, and Krakoa is for all whores. Bye-bye.